Good morning. So, after our transition to two services, uh, it came at the same time as the home fellowships stopping for the summer, and, you know, one of my mantras around here is you can't, uh, if you're coming to church, if you're in fellowship, if you're in fellowship with other believers, just one time a week on Sunday morning, you're just on a survival plan, if that. And so uh, we, uh, when the summer f- uh, fellowships come to a close, we, we usually do keep one up during the summer. And we've been, uh, because of the transition to two services, they've all been closed for the last few weeks, but we're beginning one this week. We were hoping to get space in a local church uh, but uh, just had some difficulty getting all the details together. So we are going to have it back in a, in a home. But uh, it's a special study on the kings of the Old Testament. It's going to be on Wednesday night, and Eric's going to teach it. Eric, can you come up and uh, speak for just a bit about that study? Where's that microphone? Where'd they go? Oh, there it is. Okay. Here's Eric. I'm over here. So yeah, come join me. We will uh, do the study in the Kings. Um, I, I spoke at the service a couple of weeks ago. We gave a little introduction to the Kings, and there's a lot of things we can learn about the Kings. Many of them did well. Many of them did very poorly. And some of them, uh, like us, did well, but then had certain issues in their life that caused them to fall in different ways. And so there's a lot that we can learn from them because... The kings really represent an example of all the issues in our life that we learn to surrender to Christ over time. So we're going to be learning about those God's plan of redemption through the kings, but also just real practical areas in our own lives so that we don't make the same mistakes they did. So come out and join me. I look forward to seeing anybody who can come on Wednesday nights. Okay, and there is child care available for pay. That's how we do our home fellowships, paid babysitters. But make sure you call by Monday. Eric's number is in the bulletin, and there's parking up there as well. That information is in the bulletin. Okay, so we're in the book of John. If you could rise for the reading of God's word, we are in John chapter 8. Going through John chapter by chapter, verse by verse, John chapter 8. We are in verse 31. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Very familiar verse. And sometimes the most familiar verses in the Bible are the most misunderstood. And and that's the case with this one. Uh, So we are going to be in verse 31. We're going to be reading through verse 36. John chapter 8. says this, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide, you see the word, think the word live, think the word connect, think the word be united in. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth And the truth shall make you 
free? They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Then uh, Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide, does not live in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this verse. This verse, it just reads, it reads just inspiring. It just gives life to our soul. But Lord, we do come to this morning just to open your word to understand what it means. What is freedom? What's that all about? How do we get there, Lord? And so, Lord, I, I pray that you bring understanding to us. By your Spirit, lead us. Just pray for all the churches in the city this morning. Lord, as they declare God's word, that people will be made free. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. It's the story of humanity that man lives his life sort of as a caged bird, being able to look out and and, and taste freedom and get an idea or get a sense about what freedom is. But they're all caged up, like a caged bird. And we have uh, this morning a very familiar verse there in, here in uh, verse 32. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. This is a, a verse that it's one of the few verses in the Bible that's made its way into pop culture. Into the, into the world. The world is a very uh, well-known verse in, in, in the world. It's also a well-known verse, of course, in the church. And, and uh, one of the condition of, conditions of man, the fallen condition of man, they're, they're, like a, uh, they're, li- they're living like a bird in, in a cage, a caged bird elevated in a place where they can sort of taste freedom. And that's why this, this verse, uh, it, 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 it really attracts people's um, attention. But does the world really know what the verse means? Does the church really know what this means? Do we know what this verse means? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. When Jesus uses that word free, what does he mean by that? What what does he mean when he says the truth shall make you free? What is freedom to Jesus? What is it? Well, I will tell you that when Jesus uses the word free here, the word free, he means something very different 
radically different, oh so different, than what the average man or woman in the United States, America, understands when they hear that word. When the average uh, American hears the word freedom, they're thinking about, they're usually thinking about something like the opposite of slavery, or, or, or they're kind of uh, uh, the, they're, they're thinking about maybe the opposite of what it means to be in prison. A, a person is a slave or a prisoner if they are not allowed to choose, right, where they live their life, where, who they live their life with, what they want to do with their life, what they live their life for, how they live their life. A person is free, the average American thinks, if they are allowed to choose those things, where they live their life, who they live it with, what they do with their life, what they live their life for, how they live their life. But the Bible says, Jesus says, that a man, a woman may be allowed to choose wherever they want to live with whomever they want, that they, they may be allowed to do whatever they want with their life, living for whatever they want to live for, however they want to live, and be the most enslaved, the most uh, imprisoned, the, the least free life of anybody on planet Earth. That's what the Bible says. So Jesus says, and you say, wow, that's crazy. Is there any common ground between what the world thinks freedom is and what the Bible, what God, what Jesus thinks freedom is? The answer is the answer's yes. There's some common ground, both the world and the Bible. They, 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 they teach that freedom is, is it's all about life. It has something to do with life. Freedom has everything to do, really, with life. The world and the Bible both teach that. So again, let's think about what the world thinks about freedom. Uh, Sean, do we have, uh, have this? It's all about what? It's, uh, it's all about where they live their life, who they live their life with, what they want to do with their life, what they live their life for, how they live their life. It's about life. Freedom has something to do with life. The world, the world believes that. And the Bible speaks of the same thing. It has everything to do with life. But the common ground ends there. <laughs> because the, the Bible says that apart from God, apart from Jesus, there is no life. And without life, how can there be freedom? So let me try to develop this with you. Why don't you turn with me to John chapter 1, just to go back to chapter 1. Turn with me there in your Bibles. Freedom, all about life. 
John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. It could be translated, in him is life. Now, we, we, we've read in John chapter 7 several times in the last few weeks. We did, there was a whole sermon, a whole message about it. John chapter 7, verse 37, 38. Says, if anyone thirsts, this is Jesus speaking, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So if a person doesn't believe in Jesus, that's what this is saying, he who believes in me, if they don't believe in Jesus, Jesus is saying, if they say, if they keep Jesus out, no Jesus, not in here, I want to live my life wherever I want to live, with whomever I want, doing whatever I want to do with my life, living for whatever I want to, however I want to, not in here, there's not going to be living waters, no living waters, no life. John chapter 10, verse 10, we'll get to this someday. I have come that they may have life. John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Life is all about God. Life is joy in God. Life is Peace in God. Life is God shining his light. Remember where we were earlier in the chapter? I am the light of the world. What is light? It's God. It's, 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 it's God. It's Jesus through Jesus. Light is shined on the world. It's, it shines on God's reality, the world, and, and why it was created. It, the light brings life to the world. It, 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 it reveals the incredible beauty in the world, life is understanding the beauty of purity. Life is understanding the beauty of holiness. Life is understanding the beauty of God's design. Life is all about the beauty of marriage. Life is about the beauty of sex. Life is about the beauty of all the things which the world has twisted and made ugly, but which God created to be life Giving. That's what life is. John chapter 10, verse 10 continues. He says, I have come, this is Jesus speaking, that they may have life and have it to the full, meaning in life, in God, all of a sudden, everything opens up where you see where life is about. It's like, wow, looking out for the first time. How many times have you heard this testimony? I I gave my life to God, and for the first time, I looked up at the sky, and I saw the birds. Look at the birds. Wow, look at them. They're so so beautiful. They got wings. They're flying. The wind is, is keeping them up. Wow. You cannot have life apart from God. That's what the Bible teaches. Freedom is all about life. Ask any prisoner that. Ask any slave that. 
Freedom is about life. But if the Bible is true and that Jesus is the only life and only Jesus gives life and that apart from him there is no life, freedom can only be found in him and there is no freedom. There's no such thing as being free apart from Jesus. Now, what's the problem with this? So there's a common ground with the world, and that common ground is freedom has something to do with life. In fact, it has everything to do with life. But the definition of life is just vastly different. The problem is, is that if you walk up to someone in the world, a family member, a coworker, someone on the street, someone in your neighborhood, and you quote John chapter 8 to them, this very well-known verse, but you inject Jesus into it. You say, if, uh, the Bible says that if, 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 you, if you abide in Jesus, if you live in Jesus, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. What happens? Many times. They'll, they'll look at you like, you just don't get it. What are you talking about? I am free. I don't need Jesus to be free. I understand freedom. I do what I do when I want to do. I have my choices. I live my life how I want to live it. I live with who I want to live it. I live it where I want to live it. I'm free. And guess what? That's exactly how the people responded when Jesus said these very words. Let's, let's look again. Again, he says in verse 31, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Same response, verse 33. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? We are free. That's what they're saying. We've never been in bondage. We've never lacked freedom. We're God's children. What are you talking about? That we, we, we need Jesus. That Jesus has something to do with freedom. We are free. We know freedom. What does Jesus say? He says in verse 34, he answers them. Most assuredly, meaning listen to me now and listen to me very carefully. I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Meaning, you're not free, you're slaves. Now what on earth does that mean? And this is a hard verse. I'm going to try to make it simple. Pray for me in your seats. I hope you do each Sunday. You pray for me while I'm up here. What does that mean? Jesus answered them, and, and, and we need to know what it means because this is all about freedom, and we want freedom. But man, when he says, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Well, I sin. We sin every day. Does that mean that we don't know freedom? 
Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. So some translations, I think this will make it a little easier to understand this. A couple translations actually translate verse 34 like this. It's the ICB, which is a children's Bible. Sometimes you need to read a children's Bible because they're, you know, Jesus had, there's a special thing about children with, with the Lord. Some of these translations really, I think, really they get it right. Everyone who lives in sin is a slave to sin. So another translation could be this. Um, everyone who lives for sin is a slave to sin. If you live for money, you will be a slave to it. If you live for sex, you will be a slave to it. Just ask anybody who's ever been addicted to porn. If you live for porn, you will be a slave to it. If you live for a career, you will be a slave to it. If you live for weed, and and. There's so many people like this. Their life revolves around weed. When are they going to get it next? It's the only way to cope with life, weed. It's amazing this week with these these five kids watching that person drown for, for, for 10 minutes. What did it say about them? They were on weed. And I find it really amazing that the very press who is trying to project this thing that weed's okay, it's all right. They're outraged that there would be any other reaction other than apathy to someone dying. Weed is bondage, bondage to apathy. That's what it is. But anyone who's a slave to weed, rather, if you live your life for weed, can we put that, the, the, the last verse up, everyone who lives for sin is a slave to sin. Everyone who lives for weed is a slave to it. Sin, what is sin? What is sin? Sin is trying to find life in something apart from God. So we can, can we go back to the, to the verse? Sean, thanks. Everyone who lives for sin is a slave to sin. Sin is replacing God with anything else. Anything else. You know, we hear about different definitions of sin in the Bible. And I believe in Greek, the, the underlying word, it... Um, People talk about sin, and is the word hamartia in Greek, I think, maybe? It, 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 it's the notion of missing the mark. But that's a very shallow definition of sin when you look at Genesis to Revelation. Sin's so much more. Sin is a replacing God with anything else. Second commandment, Exodus chapter 20 of the Ten Commandments, has a pretty good definition of sin. It's bowing before any other God. 
any other but. Living for, serving, anything else. Greed, money, ambition, sex, whatever. That's sin. Sin's replacing God with, 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 with anything else. We, we heard a fascinating, we had about 10 or, 10 or 11 baptisms yesterday, and, and we get some of the folks gave testimonies before their baptism. And, and we, we, one of the young ladies, she's young, she's young for me. I think she's in her early 30s. She has kids, but she's young. She's a young lady for me. She shared about how her mother had become a replacement for God. Her own mother. And, and so... Sean, can we get the verse back up? And so everyone who lives for mother is a slave to mother is also true. Anything. <laughs> and in, in marriage counseling and family counseling, this is often the case that, that, that someone's living for their husband, they're living for their children, and they're living or they're living for their wife, and, and they're enslaved because they've replaced God with something else. They've, they've, they, it's, it's, it's a good thing, but, but a good thing can become idolatry. It, it can become, become sin. And so this wonderful testimony of, uh, of, the, of this young lady giving her life to Christ, and, and now she can treat her, her mother with respect. She's no longer in bondage and slavery to, uh, to her mother. But that's what sin is. Sin is, is trying to find in life something apart from God. It's replacing God with something else. So let's just go back into this verse again. Remember, we're talking about freedom. Remember, we're talking about how we lose our freedom, how we become enslaved. It says, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And then it says in verse 35, and a slave does not abide in the house forever. Meaning, if you never get rid of the slave thing in your life, you're not going to be abiding in God's house forever. You're going to be abiding in judgment forever. That's what he's talking about here. It, it, It says, and a slave does not abide, does not live in the house forever, but a son or a daughter abides forever. And then verse 36, uh, just as po- uh, well-known verse, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Now stay with me now. In other words, if Jesus doesn't take away your sin problem, Living for money, living for mom, living for sex, living for ambition, living for pleasure, living for free time. If that doesn't happen in the life of a human being, if if Jesus doesn't take that sin problem away, you will never know freedom. A man, a woman, a child will never know freedom. Listen, freedom starts with Jesus taking away your sin. And guess what? That's what he does. He takes away your sin, your sin problem. 
that thing in you, again, where you're living for something else other than God. Everyone who lives for sin is a slave to sin. Unless Jesus takes that away, you will never know freedom. John chapter 1, verse 24, this is the good news. It says this, uh, this is John when he sees Jesus uh, in John chapter 1. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The good news is that Jesus is in the business of taking away the sin of the world. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, I love this verse. Jesus appeared so that he might take away our sin. I mean, that's good news because unless Jesus takes away your sin, there is no freedom. We just heard Jesus say that. He says, anyone, verse 34, most assuredly I say to you, whoever lives for sin, whoever commits sin, whoever is in a lifestyle practicing uh, sin is a slave to sin and does not know freedom. But, verse 36, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. Again, 1 John 3, 5, he appeared, Jesus appeared that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. He may take away our sin. Now, we know from the Bible that we will sin every day, in fact, every hour for the rest of our life. What this is referring to is he'll take away that living for sin thing in us, what the Bible calls that sin nature, that, that, that nature that can't help but live for sin, that can't help replace God with something else. Jesus appeared that he might take that away and give us freedom. So the Son of Man makes you free, you, sh- you, you shall be free Indeed. And so, so how does this, tell me a little bit more about that, Pastor Steve. How does this happen? Okay, it says that um, Jesus appeared that he might take away my sin. And you're saying that if he doesn't take away my sin, I don't know freedom. And you're also saying that most of the world doesn't know freedom. So how do I get to the place where I don't know freedom till I do know freedom? Well, Let's conclude here in verse 24, back in verse 24, which we were in last week. Remember what Jesus said. He's speaking to this little crowd in the temple courts. It's the Feast of Tabernacles. It's in the fall. He's telling them, and no one has been more honest with humanity than Jesus Christ, for Christians will be beaten honest with those we love. He says in verse 24, this remarkable, really loving but in-your-face comment. He says, I say to you that you'll die in your sins for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. 
you will die not knowing me, not knowing freedom. You will die there. We don't want to... The Bible says it's appointed to man to die one time, and then comes the judgment. That's in Hebrews chapter 9. You don't want to appear for the judgment seat covered in sin. Jesus said, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sin, verse 24. Remember that in verse 24 that the word he is in italics, meaning in the original language, it's not there, it was inserted by the translator. If you don't believe that I am, you will die in your sins. So the question is, okay, okay, Jesus, you said, Pastor Steve, that Jesus takes away sin and I can't know freedom until he takes it away. How do I do that? Well, we just read it. You need to believe that he is. He's what? We discussed that last week. John's all about who the I am is, unless you believe that I am. Starts off with, I am the bread of life. There's seven of these in the book of John. By the end of the book of John, it's just my prayer that all of us, you, me, all of us, this comes a part of our everyday language so that we believe that he is. I am the bread of life, John 6, 35. I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. I am the door, John 10, 9. I am the good shepherd, John 10, 11. I am the resurrection and the life, John eleven twenty five. 25. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. I am the true vine. Jesus says, unless you believe I am, you will die in your sins. So the flip is also true. If you believe that I am, you will not die in your sins. Your sins will be taken away and you'll know freedom. Last verse, I'm just going to zero in on John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. How exactly does Jesus take away sin? He takes away sin by taking our sin on himself and going to the cross, laying down his life for you, for me, for us. I am, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Believing that he's the good shepherd that you're a sinner, that you've replaced God with something else. The Bible says the punishment for that is death, but the good shepherd took your sin on himself and he laid his life down for you so that sin would be judged and done away with. And that's the good news. That's why the gospel's called the gospel. The gospel means good news. 
because it's, 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 it's so good, we can't even, it, it, it's free. We can't do anything to deserve it other than believe, put our trust uh, in him, open up our heart and, and say, yes, Jesus, I believe you are, you are, you are the I am, come in. And then after that, you know freedom. Now, verse 31 says that a Christian, once they know freedom, can lose it. How do you do that? When you stop abiding. Verse 31 says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Meaning freedom begins for a man, a woman, or a child on planet earth at the moment they believe he is the I am. I am the bread of life. I am the true vine. I am the good shepherd who lays down my life for the sheep. But you can't lose it if you stop abiding in the word. If you stop living in the word, verse 31. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So I don't want to close up the, 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 the service now. Just, if the worship team could come up. If you've been asked to pray, you can come up. The last thing that we want to do is leave the service uh, today, without that full sense of freedom. And so, um, as the worship team is up here, we're going to close in worship. And, and as you're worshiping, I want you to worship with that complete freedom that is yours in Christ. And if there has been something blocking that freedom, getting in the way. I want you to come up and pray. I'll be up here and pray with me. There'll be a couple other prayer couples up here. If you live in my word, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Maybe you're in here this morning And you've never come to Jesus believing who he says that he is, that he is the I am, I am the door, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and you've never experienced freedom. Come up, we can pray about that as well. So why don't you rise, I'm going to close in prayer, and then we'll worship, and we will pray. Father, we just thank you for this, for this word. We just thank you for freedom. And Lord, we acknowledge and we believe just before you, Lord, that it is true that life, that freedom, that life is Joy in God, it's peace in God, it's, it's you, Lord, shining your light on the world and bringing the world to life for us. The incredible beauty there, the, the purity, the holiness, your design, everything, Lord. And Lord, that freedom lies in living that life to its fullest, Lord Jesus. You said, I came that you may have life and have it to the full. 
We don't want to leave here this morning, Lord, without fully experiencing and worshiping you in the fullness of life, in the fullness of freedom. And Lord, I pray, draw us in, Lord. Draw us in now as we worship, as we seek you, as we praise you.